The Productive Woman, Episode 344. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, I'll share with you my conversation with physician and life coach, Lynetta Willis, as part of our new for 2021 Productive Living series. You'll find more information about Lynetta, along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 344. And now let's get right into my conversation with Lynetta. I am delighted to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Dr. Lynetta Willis. Lynetta is a psychologist, a family empowerment coach, a speaker, and an author who helps frustrated families break free from stable misery and unhelpful habits in their parenting and partnerships so they can create more harmony and joy with those they love. She lives in Georgia with her husband and their two children, and I have been so looking forward to talking with her about how finding peace in our parenting fits into our goal of making a life that matters. So welcome, Lynetta. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Well, I'm just so pleased that you were willing to come on and, and chat with me and share some of the knowledge you've gained in the work that you do. Uh, I gave little hints of kind of who you are, or a little bit of an intro there, but maybe before we get into the the good stuff here, the interesting stuff about the things that you know, maybe you could start by telling us a little more about who you are, what you do, whatever you think would be useful for us to know as we get into this conversation. Yes. Yes. So I have, uh, I'm, a, I'm a licensed psychologist. I've been in the mental health field for 20 years now, and I have a few specializations in uh, trauma healing and family and couples work. Um, as well as parenting. And now I do, I, I had a private practice for quite a few years and I've since closed that. And now I do coaching. So I see people from all over the world. I work with families from all over the world, which is so exciting now. And a lot of times, a lot of my clients, they, they fill into that, especially women, they fit into that picture of, you know, the high achieving woman who feels like she's nailing it in so many areas of her life. But when it comes to the areas that she, that truly matter, whether it be areas around self-care, her parenting, her partnership, she doesn't feel like she's nailing it. Maybe even feels like she's failing it in some ways. And so, um, in those areas, uh, she's living in what I like to call stable misery. And so I work with couples and uh, parents that really just want to break free from that so that their life can feel more aligned and more in sync with who they know they can be and how they know they can be in the areas of their life that truly matter. Yeah, I love that. And and I think it, it's so interesting because I've practiced law for 20 some years now, and I, I know that at any given time, no matter whether I'm firing on all cylinders in my legal practice 
or, you know, whatever else is going on in my life, when things aren't going right at home, when I'm feeling like I'm not measuring up as a, as a mom or as a, as a wife or whatever, it makes it really hard to feel, feel very accomplished or feel like I'm doing what I ought to be doing. So I, I love the things that you talk about, uh, as, as after we were introduced and I did a little kind of looking at the things you have on your website and stuff. And, as a psychologist, if I'm, if I'm understanding all this right, one of the things you focus on is what you call family empowerment. And I wonder, what does that mean to you? And how did you decide to focus your work on that? Yeah, you know, I've always been really into um, family work in general. And in what I do now, I talk a lot about that phrase I said earlier, stable misery. And that's that place where we can get stuck in those same unhelpful patterns, often with those that we love, right? Mm -hmm. Like things are okay, we're safe, we have a roof over our head, but we feel unfulfilled or unhappy. And one of what I call stable misery minions, you know, Mm -hmm. the things that sort of keep it going is a sense of disempowerment. Mm -hmm. And when we feel disempowered as parents or as partners or in our careers or business, we can feel disempowered in any of those areas. And it can really just pushes down back into that stable misery pit. So one of the ways that I help people and families break free from stable misery is by helping them to find and create the tools they need to feel empowered in their most important relationships. And I've actually created a framework that I use um, doing this over 20 years. You start to see patterns. I'm sure it's the same for you in law. You know, mm-hmm. you start to notice things that just tend to repeat themselves. And I've created a, a framework. It's an acronym that spells out paths. And, and the S actually stands for self-empowerment because that's that, that area in our life where when we're in stable misery, it can feel really hard to see where our power is in our relationships, in our life. And one of the things I love doing is helping people to excavate where their power is and how they can be empowered. The sense of power is a basic need that we all possess. And when, when, we, when it's lacking, that can really not just impact us, but impact other people around us too, because we'll constantly strive for it and reach for it, even if that means doing so in unhelpful ways. And that's where those pesky patterns, the unhelpful patterns often show up in our families when we attempt to do that. So for me, family empowerment is really about, you know, um, helping families and helping individuals to feel empowered so that they can show up in the best, most aligned way possible for themselves and those around them. That's so interesting to me. And so when you're talking about empowerment or, or uh, empowering people so they can sort of show up as them, their best selves, I mean, empowering for what I'm guessing you're not talking about, you know, power over each other. (laughs) No, not at all. You know, power over is usually what we go or when we feel powerless, mm. right? So it's it's sort of like if you're if you're drowning, you know. They always say when when you see somebody drowning, you don't just run in and try to save them if you don't have training because they will pull you down with them. Yeah. Because when somebody is drowning and they're panicking, they're going to do whatever they can to get up. And if that means balancing themselves on you, they will do that, right? So. Whenever you see someone trying to get power over, that's actually a really good sign that they're not feeling empowered. But what empowerment, the way that I'm using it is, it's more about 
power within and power with other people. Mm -hmm. If I feel empowered, I don't need to control you. I don't need to control my kid. I don't need to control my husband. I don't need to do any of that stuff because I can go within or I can look without. And I can always ask the question, where's my power in this moment? And I can use that in a helpful way to shift the moment or shift myself. Right? I don't necessarily have to impose upon or um, aggress against someone else because I am unable to feel power in that moment. So we don't want to siphon power off of other people, especially not our children, right? Yeah. And so when we feel, when we get into that sense, we feel like that's what we're doing. That's a really clear sign that we feel the opposite of empowered. Mm. Interesting. I, I, you know, I had never thought about it that way. Uh, having, having raised five kids, I'm, I'm just sort of, as you were talking about that flashing back, uh, over various things and, and events of our life when the kids were growing up and, and I could see how that would play out. So that's, that's so interesting to me. So when you, I'm curious because you've mentioned a couple of times about when people are empowered, they can, um, do the things they need to do. They can maybe, and I'm paraphrasing here and maybe not paraphrasing correctly, but, um, uh, overcome some of those, what did you call it? Uh, unhelpful patterns. What are, what do you mean by that? What are some of the unhelpful patterns that you see in the work you do that maybe interfere with those good relationships, specifically maybe between moms and their kids? Yeah. So I actually run a group program. It's called Trigger to Transform. And what we do in that program, it's a 12-week program where I actually work with parents on um, transforming their triggers because what ends up happening is a lot of parents will go out and they'll read all the books and they'll listen to all the tape. Well, I said tape, I'm, I'm dating myself, but you know, <laughs> they'll do all the things, try to become the parent that they want to be, right? And then they'll go into a situation with their kids and they'll fall right back into those old same habits that they didn't want to do. And, they're, and then they feel worse because they're like, but I just read the book and the book told me exactly what I should do. And the problem is I, the, the books are sort of further into the process. What happens is when we get triggered and when our frontal lobe that holds all that book knowledge, that becomes locked up like Fort Knox. And the part of our brain that we operate off of is the emotional part of our brain, right? And it's really hard. So that brain, that's our fight, flight, freeze brain. Mm -hmm. That brain relies on whatever it needs to do or whatever it's used to doing to protect us from harm. So when our child is throwing a tantrum or isn't listening or, you know, all these other things that kids tend to do because they're kids, uh, a lot of times that leads us to get triggered. Our frontal lobe shuts down, so we don't have any access to all that book knowledge anymore. And we start falling back on old patterns that were either taught to us and modeled for us or maybe have worked for us in the past but aren't helpful because they leave us feeling guilty or shame. And some examples might be yelling or um, shaming. I talk about the, the four horsemen mindset a lot in my work. And, and some of us were raised with the four horsemen mindset. And the four horsemen are pain, 
blame, shame, and avoidance. Mm. Pain, blame, shame, and avoidance. And those happen to be the four defaults that we can fall into when we're triggered and we feel disempowered and we're striving for that power or we just don't know what to do on our frontal lobe. We don't have access to it to help us get to the right next best step. So in those moments, those patterns usually somehow fall into one of those four categories. And again, they're patterns that may have been modeled for us, used with us, or just things that we've learned maybe kind of worked a little bit. (laughs) So we just kind of revert back to it. But again, when our frontal lobe opens back up again for business, we often realize that was not I did not want to do that. That's not helpful for my relationship with my child. Hmm. And so what, how do we overcome that? I mean, I, I, I can totally, everything you're saying really resonates with my experience as a mom. My kids are all grown and, you know, several of them have kids of their own now. And I, even at this stage of my life and, and, you know, everybody's doing well and I have good relationships with all of them, but I still look back at various times in the past when I think I was not a very, and I'm using air quotes, not a very good mom. I didn't interact with them in a way that I wish I had. And I, I worry that I, um, put things in motion that'll kind of continue through the generations. Uh, or maybe I didn't put them in motion. I, I think I mothered in many ways the way my mom did. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't mean that as a bad thing, but it just, you know, that's kind of the way you grow up is the way you, it's just ingrained in you. How do you get past that? How, you know, setting aside the, even all these years later, the, the sort of feeling guilty or shame that you talked about of, oh, I wish I'd handled that situation differently. When you're in the midst of it, how, what, how, do, you, how do you change those patterns? Yeah. You know, the first thing, such a good question. The first thing I would say is to realize that we're not broken. (laughs) Our kids are not broken and that we're going to do things that we don't want to do. I mean, I I like to look at life as one big experiment. And the reason why I like to look at it as an experiment is because by definition, you cannot fail an experiment. You cannot screw up an experiment. That's not the way they work. You can only learn by it. So scientists sit in a lab. The most important tool that a scientist can bring into a lab is curiosity right? Not certainty, but curiosity. Mm -hmm. And so if we look at this by when we quote unquote mess up or screw up, I'm constantly encouraging my clients with, what did you learn? They clients get on the phone and be like, oh, this week was so hard. Yay. What did you learn? (laughs) (laughs) We can work with that. That's amazing. I'm so excited. Let's, let's go. So you had an experiment, didn't quite go the way that you wanted it to. What did we learn? So the first thing is just to realize it's not a sign of brokenness or badness when we don't do what we would what we want to do as you know in our parenting with our kids. The other piece to recognize too is that we are all we all are are a product of the legacy that was handed down to us. You know, and I talk about how when we come into this world, we're all handed legacy trees. And the legacy trees, they have um, two types of fruit, legacy blessings and legacy burdens. And the best that we can honestly hope for 
is that we can prune as much of those burdens as we can, and we can nurture and nourish as many of the blessings that we can to hand down to our kids. And realizing that we're not going to get them all. There's going to be some some burdens on that tree that we just missed. And being in this work for so long, I could say one of the things that I hope for the most is that one day my kids will come to me and be like, yeah, you know that thing that you used to do? That was awful. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Yay! Great! <laughs> Lesson learned. Yes, I mean, my grandchildren will not have to struggle <laughs> with that thing that I just said I did that doesn't make you feel good. So it's really first about shifting the mindset around what that means when we don't do well or as well as we would like as parents. The other thing, like I said earlier, I created this framework called the PATHS framework, and it was basically something that after being in this field for so long, I said earlier, and I'm sure you witnessed the same thing, you start to see patterns and you start to notice the same things over and over and over again. And what I realized was there are certain dynamics that when they're out of whack in any relationship, they'll lead us to feel disempowered and unhappy and stuck in that stable misery pit. And um, the framework is called PADS, and that's an actual acronym. Um, The P stands for perspective. So when we're in that space and we're finding ourselves behaving or reacting in ways that we don't like, one of the first things that we can do is we can get clear on the story we're telling ourselves in that moment. Because if if we're behaving, when I'm reacting to my child in a way that I don't like, 100% guarantee you there is a story that is fueling my behavior. You know, the head goes before the body. Wherever the head goes, if you were to grab my head and pull my head in the direction, my body has to follow. There's no, (laughs) there's no question about that, right? So it's the same thing. Where our thoughts go, our actions flow. It naturally happens every single time. So one of the things we can do is start to get clear on When that happens, when I'm triggered in that way, what are the stories in my head? Are those stories true? Can I shift them? Um, So the P stands for perspective. The A stands for awareness. Mm -hmm. And growing up in many families, that is true in my family, quote unquote negative feelings, sadness and things like that, they were liabilities. They weren't helpful. So I learned very young to shove my, my bad feelings away. But as I've grown and as I've worked with people, I've learned that feelings are actually our best friends. And so really getting clear on what feelings come up in me right before I go to that place I don't want to go. The more proactive we can be, the more in control we can be. The idea isn't to get rid of our triggers. We don't want to get rid of them. Our triggers actually are, are really helpful. And from an evolutionary standpoint, The only way that you can really get rid of triggers would probably be to be on drugs all the time. (laughs) It just completely depress your nervous system. But from 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 a biological standpoint, our triggers are good things. They let us know when something is happening that isn't good or something is happening that is good, you know. So they're really, they're just signposts. So becoming aware of what sets us off, what sets our children off. Because I know we talk about our triggers a lot, too, but we trigger them, too. Sure. We're not always the easiest people to live with, right? So getting really clear on the situations and the circumstances that really put us in those spaces where we have those unhelpful thoughts and those unhelpful stories we tell ourselves. Um, the T stands for tools. 
And I always say, whenever you're in a relationship, you're always using a tool. The question is never, am I using a tool? It's, is the tool I'm using helpful or unhelpful? You know, um, yelling is a tool. Taking five deep breaths are a tool. They're both tools. Mm-hmm. One is just probably a little bit more helpful than the other. Right? So getting clear on what types of tools do I tend to use? And are there ways that uh, I can shift or trade out those tools or maybe even expand the number of tools that I have in my box in that moment? And then the H stands for healing or honoring. As parents, we often get stuck in, we don't, okay, well, let me back up. What happens is growing up and through life way before we have kids, we have, a lot of us have experiences and those experiences sometimes aren't that great. And when we have kids, the memories of those experiences are still embedded with us in, in many times and in many ways. And when we're reacting towards our children, sometimes we're not really reacting towards them. We're reacting towards the trigger to they're, they're more of the trigger. So the kids are triggering something in us that happened long ago. Mm. Right. So figuring out what within me needs to be healed. Right. So if we heal stuff, the stuff, quote unquote, that's getting in our way, that's going to lessen our triggers. H also stands for honoring. As parents, and especially as moms, we're not great at honoring our needs. We're not great at it. And so we can be struggling and hungry and exhausted and all these things, but there's a lot of people out there that would tell you, or or I would say not explicitly, but the message is packed, I believe, that we are to sacrifice everything and all the time for our children. And if we're not doing that, we're not good good parents, you know? And I say that's nothing. Stop. Stop. Not true. Our needs are important and we need to honor those needs. We need to honor when we need a break. We need to honor when we need a shower. We need to honor when we're hungry, (laughs) whatever that case is, because in so doing, we teach our children to honor their needs as well. We don't need to teach them. They need to be martyrs because that's not helpful. Martyrs' lives usually don't end well, right? (laughs) So we don't want to be a martyr (laughs) or teach our children that either. And then S, is we talked about that earlier, that self-empowerment, and that's around finding your power in various situations. Where is my power in this? We always have power in a moment, even if it's the power to close our mouth and walk away. That's still empowering ourselves to do the next best thing if that is what we need in the moment. And the last thing I'll say about the PAS model is, I know that's a lot, and um, anybody can... it's, I actually have it all laid out, um, and I can give you the, the website where listeners can go and download that. Oh, perfect. Um, and review it. But here's the thing. I just said a lot of things, but I often tell people, you don't have to do all those at once. Please, don't. we're talking about being productive, okay? Doing 15 things at once is not productivity. That's insanity, okay? <laughs> so, Agreed. Pick one. Yeah. <laughs> right? Pick one thing off of that and focus on it for a week. Like for me, I access the stories in my head the quickest. Like that's, that's where I can get the handle. So when I notice myself starting to go towards the ledge with one of my kids, I immediately turn to, whoa, what story am I telling myself right now? But for someone else, it might be the body sensations. They might notice the tension in their shoulders, right? Or they might notice I'm yelling. Oh, I'm using an unhelpful tool. Okay. What can I do instead? Right? So when you go and download the, um, the infographic that I, that I have, it has um, all of these 
all the paths. And then it also has like just little nuggets of things that you can experiment with. And I would say choose one and experiment with that for a whole week and just notice what's different, what shifts within you, what changes within you and go from there. Just start with one. Yeah. That's such good advice. I mean, I think we all have this tendency, especially if it's an area that's really important to us or that we, and, or that we feel like we're not doing a very good job in, um, we get some information. We want to just do a complete overhaul of our lives all, all within the next 20 minutes. And, and it's not sustainable. <laughs> and we end up feeling worse because we feel like, okay, well, I had this, you know, information that, that should work and I couldn't make it work. So there really is something wrong with me. So I love that you're yeah. saying, don't try to change everything at once. Just pick one little thing, focus on that. Notice what changes in you when you, when you do this thing or when you try this thing. And, and I think give yourself credit for having, you know, for making the effort for, for taking steps to improve something that you don't feel good about in your life. Absolutely. 100%. I think, you know, anything else, it, it literally, it really does lead us to feel, I, I don't know how many times I talk to uh, parents and They'll tell me something amazing that they did the previous week that they hadn't done. And then they go in and they immediately launch into the 15 things that they didn't. And I'm like, wait a minute. You haven't been able to do that for the five years your child has been on this planet. Can we sit with that and celebrate it for a moment? Yeah. Right. And that's why in the Trigger to Transform Parenting Program, we, I go through all of the paths and we spend basically two weeks on each one. There's a week where we're learning about it and then a week where we're implementing it and we're taking action on it because they're so important. Yeah. Right. And it does take time to really integrate it into our, our way of being in a way that feels good to us. Cause you can integrate these things in so many different ways. It just really depends. There's not one right way. It just depends on what's your way. That's really going to be the most effective for you and your family. Yeah. And I, I hope people will hear what you just said, because I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the women that I talk to in the productive woman community are like me in that, although intellectually, we know there's lots of different ways to do things somewhere deep in our souls. We believe there is one right answer to every question and you either get it right or you're wrong. And we, we don't want to be wrong. And it either, we either paralyze ourselves because we won't, you know, we don't, we don't want to make a mistake or we beat ourselves up because we think we did it wrong. And so recognizing that you, you learn from different sources. I love the, the resources you're talking about, and then you adapt them to what works for you as a person and for your family. Cause every family is, you know, has its own dynamic and its own, you know, personalities and all those things. So I think it's really important for us to all acknowledge that, that we, we need to incorporate these things in a way that makes sense and works for, for us and for our families. Yes, 100%. I mean, there's no other way in the, um, in the program we focus on, we take one trigger and we start with that. We start with just one and we work through the different paths using, focusing on that one trigger. And at the end of it, people walk away 
with a family map, mm. with a map for their particular family and their specific situations. So there isn't like 50 million scripts that you have to memorize and all things that you're not going to be able to access anyway because your brittle will shut down. <laughs> it's really about getting to know you and your family and your kids even more so that you can enjoy them more. So you can enjoy. Par- Nobody ever went into parenting like, oh, I can't wait to get pregnant and have a kid so I can be miserable. Yeah. Like, that's just, that's not a thing. No one ever said ever, right? Like, that's not the that's thing. For sure. But sometimes we live there. We live there in that absolute misery, and it doesn't have to be that way. Well, and that's why I think it's so important to have these conversations and why I was so excited to, to have you come and talk with us a little bit. Because, you know, for most of us as women, no matter how much we're accomplishing in our lives, if things aren't right in our families, it's really hard to feel productive, to be productive, to feel good about what we're doing. And so often we sit in that, as you call it, that stable misery, because we think, well, I'm the only one. I look around, I see my friends seem to have it all together. So I can't even admit to them that I'm struggling here because they'll think I'm a loser because I'm the only one who can't seem to figure this out, this, this motherhood thing out. And the truth is, most of us struggle with one element or another for all the reasons you've talked about, our history, our experiences, our upbringing, everything we bring to the table as moms are, are maybe unrealistic expectations about what it means to be a mom and, and, and to be a good mom, however you want to define that. So it's, I think it's so important to have these conversations and I love the work that you're doing in this area. Thank you. Yeah. You know, it really is. It's, it's you, I mean, you nailed it when we don't feel and when our families are off, it doesn't matter how many, we could win the Nobel peace prize and it wouldn't matter, you know, if our marriage is falling apart or our kids, we think our kids can't stand us. Right. Like it's just, it's really hard to keep all that together because a lot of people would say, part of the reason why I work so hard and I do what I do is for my family, mm-hmm. you know, it's for them. And if, if things aren't going right there, then it just doesn't, things just don't add up. And it's really hard for us to keep, it's really hard. The other, I think the other piece that, that impacts that is the energy leakage mm. that occurs, right? It's really hard to be productive at work. Like I know if my husband and I have one of those moments where we're, frustrated with each other. It takes a minute for me to hop back online and like, I mean, like in my head, you know, hop back on not literal online, but like in my head and and refocus my energy to get stuff done, whether it be with my business, with the kids, whatever, you know, it takes a minute because we have to do like an energy reset in those moments. And when things are going well in our family, that frees up so much energy. And actually then our family can also be energizing right? And provide us with more energy and excitement that we need to be able to move forward in a, in a more productive way in, in various areas of our lives. Well, Lynetta, this is so important. Like I've said, I, I feel like I'm kind of repeating myself here, but I just think these things are so important to think about. I love the, the paths framework you talked about the, I, I, I can, although it's something I had not 
known about before, obviously, since you developed it and we've only just met, but I, I can think about the things that I've learned over the years of dealing with anything, certain, whether it's mothering or anything else, the importance of getting some perspective and, and the importance of awareness and, 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 and expanding your tool belt and all these things that you just talked about so eloquently. And so I do want to be sure that we, we put a link in the show notes for this episode to that resource so people can check it out. Um, what do you, you know, this, this may be a difficult question, so I'm trying to figure out how to frame this. If you had to pick just one or two things as advice to give to a woman who wants to have a joy filled relationship with her kids, do you tell her to start? What would be the, maybe the one or two things, uh, if you only had, you know, a couple minutes with her, what, what might you tell her? <laughs> That's a really good question. What I would tell her may sound a little counterintuitive, and it fits into that, uh, the H, the honor <laughs> realm of the past model. What I would say, what, what I would say to her is you have a joyful relationship with your kids. You have to first realize that that goal or that intention has nothing to do with your kids mm. and has everything to do with a mantra that I repeat to my clients all the time. And I, I say, put it on your mirror if you have to. And that is my needs matter. Mm. My needs matter. Because joy is the opposite of stable misery. And a lot of times when we fall into that stable misery pit, it's because we've spent so much time ignoring our needs. And then that kicks up another stable mi misery minion, which is resentment, right? Because resentment can keep us locked in the past. That's when the blame horseman pops up, you know, and we start asking, why can't I move forward? Why are my kids doing, don't they know how hard I work? Don't they know how, and why don't they appreciate, no, no, you know, and we start saying those types of things. It's a lot of times because we're not honoring our own needs. So if you really, really, really want to have a joy-filled relationship with your kids, start by honoring your needs, making sure that you realize and remember that your needs matter and that you have a right to rest and renewal and happiness and quiet and you know, all of the, in a shower and being able to sit down and eat a meal in peace. And like you, you those are good things. You can do those things, but it's okay. Right. And so I would say, start there looking at how well are you honoring your needs and how, in how much joy do you get um, in your day-to-day -day life from the things that you do to honor your needs. And then what will naturally happen, the more that you start honoring your own needs is when we do that, we start to feel more joy. We start to feel more fulfillment. And then that expands into all of our relationships. Even subconsciously, we just start showing up differently. And I mean, we know that intuitively. You know, if I had a bad day and things aren't going well and, you know, when the kids come home, um, the energy is very different than when, like, I've had time to, I've had a productive day and I've had time to rest and I've had very, I'm a very different person under each of those circumstances. So that makes sense to us intuitively, but actually putting that into action. One of the things that I, I, I speak, not really against, but I, I don't use the word as much balance. Mm -hmm. 
not a big fan of balance. Because balance seems hard. Like you watch the people up on the high wires and they're balancing and they're doing a lot of work. That's not easy to do that. But I like to talk about striking personal harmony. And the definition of harmony that I love is it's a pleasing combination of different parts. So finding that personal harmony between different areas of your life, whether it be motherhood or uh, marriage or your hobbies or whatever, finding a harmony within all of those and honoring your needs in all of those different areas, that is going to ultimately lead to a more joy-filled relationship with your child. Yeah, that makes total sense to me because I think one of the things that in when I was a young mom that I struggled with and I've seen it in other young moms since then is expecting my kids to bring me joy. But what I hear you saying is we got to bring the joy to the relationship. It starts within us and taking care of ourselves. 100%. Joy is an inside job. It's an inside job. And actually it's, it's doing our kids a disservice to put that type of pressure on them. Yeah. <laughs> I can put all that pressure on them. Like you're supposed to be my source of joy. Like, Oh my God, I'm an adult. <laughs> and if it's another adult said that to me, I'd be like, Oh, pressure, too much pressure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine putting that on a child, like, all right, be my source of joy. And that doesn't mean that we don't get joy from our children. We right. absolutely do. Exactly. Absolutely. And it emanates from them. It goes back to the same thing. Just like our joy emanates from us into them, their joy does the same thing. When I look at my kids, when they come home, I genuinely am filled with joy. Like, because I am so happy to see them after a full day. But I will say that is not always the case. Sometimes they'll walk in and I'm like, oh, and it's not really because of them. It's often because I still have stuff to do. Now I got to stop. Now I got to cook dinner. Oh my gosh, they're fighting each other. Now I got to break up this fight over here, yeah. you know, and all of these other things. But they haven't changed. Exactly. I've yeah. changed, right? The only difference in those two situations, ones where I'm like, hi, and the ones where I'm like, oh, <laughs> the biggest difference in that situation is me. And that's because joy is an inside job and I can cultivate it, which is beautiful yeah. because that brings us back to self-empowerment. If I am dependent upon another individual for my joy, I have no control over my joy. They can take it and give it whenever they want, whether or not they realize it. And I don't want anybody having that type of control over my life. Not at all. No, you can't have that. But the most, the more empowering thing to say is I'm responsible for my joy. I'm in control of my joy, whatever that means for me. And that's the other thing. My definition of joy and your definition of joy might be different, but we can think about what does that mean to me? And then what do I do to cultivate it within myself? Boy, I love it. We could talk about that forever, but um, I don't want this to be a three-hour-long podcast episode. So, and I and I know I want to be respectful of your time as well. I want to kind of, kind of come around um, as we're we're wrapping this up. I'm thinking about all of the things that we've talked about, and you know, this is a podcast about productivity, and this topic is very very relevant to us uh, as women and our ability to be productive, both in the sense of getting the things done that are important to us and in the sense that we talk about it on the podcast of making a life that matters as we define it. Um, And 
you know, a lot of the things you've talked about can contribute to, to being more productive and, and, you know, as, as much as the kinds of things like the, our to-do list and calendars and all those sorts of things. And I know that you, um, you work on these things you personally and with your clients. I want to ask though, what, whatever systems and tools you have in place for managing your mind, as you've been talking about managing your commitments and, and your family's commitments and all those things. I want to ask you a question that I ask, I have asked every guest who's ever been on this show, because we always learn um, new things from, from this, uh, whatever approaches you may take to managing your life and, and being productive, do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you or you just get completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if so, what do you do to get back on track? No, I don't, I don't even understand what you just said. That never happens ever to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're unique. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I crawl into a ball and I cry. No, um, that does happen sometimes though, but um, no, it absolutely happens. And when I, a couple of things I do. The first thing I do is, again, I, I told you earlier, the stories in my head are, are, are big for me. If I can transform the story in my head, mm -hmm. I can get anything back on track with myself. So the first thing I do is I sort of pivot in my head. And when things are sort of all over the place and chaotic and I, I stop, I breathe and I say, what is one thing I can do right now to feel productive? Because it goes back to that power that I was talking about earlier. When we feel powerless, that's when we go in and we start controlling and reaching and striving and, you know, which often when I try to do that, it really leads to nothing. Like I just, I end up just as chaotic as I was when I tried. So I go back to the one thing. What is one thing I can do in this moment to feel productive right now? And it could be something super small. It doesn't have to be a whole project. It actually should be something that requires one little step. Um, it could be something like, I'm going to sharpen all these pencils that I've worn down and now can't write with anymore. Or it could be, I'm going to respond to this email that I've gotten a reminder from Google about five times this week already. I'm going to respond to this one email, right? Just to give us that sense of empowerment that, and myself that sense of empowerment and that I'm moving forward. The other thing that I do is I get, I just remind myself, all right, today was an experiment. Didn't quite go that I wanted the way that I wanted to. What did I learn? What got off today? Yeah. And how can I use that to help me tomorrow? And the last thing that I do, I would say that's really productive for me and helps me because I'm, I'm really big on to-do lists. Like I will literally do something and then write it on my to-do list just so I can check I it off. I do that too. <laughs> it feels so good. Do you hear that too? It feels so good it's to be like, yay! I, I want credit. Like getting a star sticker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what I'll do then is I'll also go back in and I'll look at my to-do list and I'll rejig it for the next day and say, okay, this day I didn't get everything done. Let me create my to-do list for tomorrow, incorporating this. This, these things that I didn't get done, plus the lessons that I learned from today. Maybe trying to do five things in a day in a pandemic when the kids are home, homeschooling wasn't such a great idea. Maybe I should try to maybe do two things a day, you know? So really getting clear, trying to raise my empowerment level by saying what's one thing I can do to feel productive right now, reminding myself this is an experiment, what did I learn, and then rejigging that list 
so that I can account for what I still need to do and the lessons that I learned from the chaos of the day so that the next day I feel um, more productive and more empowered. And then I just forgive myself, Mm. you know, bless and release. Like the day's gone. I don't know I can do about it. All I can do is just learn and move forward the next day. Yeah. Great approach and great ideas for the rest of us. Uh, Lynetta, there, there's so much more we could talk about, but where can people connect with you online? If they're interested in the work you're doing or have a question for you, where's the best place for them to find you? Absolutely. So the best place is to go to healingstablemisery.com. And there you can get in touch with me. You can download uh, the PATHS framework outline that I told you about. Uh, Remember, pick one thing. And there are little experiments under each one that you can try to get you started. Excellent. We'll put links to that in the show notes in case somebody's listening who's driving and and, uh, we don't want them to wreck their car trying to take notes. So uh, everything will be in the, everything will be in the show notes for this episode. Um, this has been so great Bef- before we go, Lynetta, you know, many, may- maybe most of the women who listen to the productive woman podcast are, are here looking for maybe some ideas, some help, some encouragement and getting things done and making a life that matters as they define it. Thinking about how parenting and the things we've talked about today fit into that objective. Do you have any last words for that listener? Uh, anything you would say to her? Mm. One thing at a time. I know that sounds so probably cliche and I've said it a million times, but it's the biggest lesson that I've learned one thing at a time. Oh, and the other pieces, if you can get someone else to do it, please do that. That actually is a lesson that I have learned in this past year that DIY is out the door for me on everything. Cause I do, I can do it all myself and all I can do it better than anybody. By the time I teach somebody, I could have done no. <laughs> I just, you don't have to do it all yourself. You don't have to do it all yourself. Figure out what are things that I don't enjoy, things that aren't really great for me and to do that I'm not the best at. Hop on Fiverr or whatever you need to do to find someone else to do it. Maybe pass it off to your kid. We always underestimate what our kids can do. We severely under. I remember my child, my daughter's in Montessori school and she was about five. And I went into the classroom one day and she was sweeping the classroom. And I was like, you can sweep? Like, <laughs> so you better believe that was her brand new chore. As soon as we got home, you are sweeping. I did not know you could sweep. She could sweep. She could wash dishes. She could even cook a little. That's five. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, don't do it all yourself. You don't have to do it all yourself. Delegate, delegate, delegate. One hundred percent. Right now, make a list of all the things that you're doing, then pick out which ones you don't enjoy doing, and then in the last column, put who you're going to pass it off to. (laughs) Great advice. So, so, uh, such a good thing for us to all remember. Thank you so much, Lynetta, for being here with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. This was fun. 
Well, I really enjoyed talking with Lynetta, and I am thankful to her for taking the time to share with us her insights and her encouragement, her ideas about how we can enjoy parenthood and, and motherhood more. And, you know, I think, as, as I think we said in the, our conversation, no matter what we're accomplishing, those of us who are mothers, a lot of times if things are not going well at home, it's, it's hard to feel good about anything. And so having her insight and her help was a, a great encouragement to me. I hope that you feel the same. I'd love to know your thoughts. Do you have any questions or comments for Lynetta or for me? You can share those in the comments section of the show notes at theproductivewoman.com slash 344. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. Or if you are a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, that's a great place to continue the conversation. As always, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, I'd love to hear from you. You can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And that, I think, is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and with Lynetta. I hope you found something in it that is helpful to you. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember... Extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. <laughs>